Uh, they're back there, yeah, if you would. And bus driver. <laughs> you forgot that one. <laughs> oh, I tell you. Uh, my friend Carl here in the yellow sweater, uh, he's also a bus driver, and, and uh, we banter with each other every day. Um, he gives me a rough time all the time, you know, and I never give him anything back. <laughs> and his wife, Gail. And then we have another friend, Gail, with us, and then, of course, uh, uh, Lori's sister, uh, Jenny, is with us, so it's good to have you all here. Good morning. It's always good to be here. I've been looking forward to doing this. Pastor asked me way last summer, he says, when can you preach? I says, I don't know. I can't preach. I'm too busy. Uh, I built a deck, and I tell you, I was, ta- I, I was busy all summer, and, and uh, then we got busy in the, in the fall and finally got a date scheduled for today, and so it's good to be here. Some of you know I've been um, working on a passage of Scripture Really, since Pastor made us read last uh, last year, well, d- during the month of uh, fasting, uh, he had some scripture for us to read, and I got stuck in in the uh, upper room discourse, John thirteen through seventeen, and I uh, started in January and finished the study in in September, and I've been working on different uh, teachings of that. Uh, I, I'm working on a book, actually. I've, I've got the introduction and two chapters done, and after I finish the second chapter, I says I've got to rewrite the whole thing, but I've been writing a lot of different things in that. and So this has been a, a passage that has been on my heart for now a couple of years, and uh, it's my joy to share it. I, I have a lot more to say, but I'm going to keep it down to an to a, a acceptable time limit, uh, hopefully. So... Um, in this study on John 13 through 17, you always wonder, what is the major theme of all of this? And as I look at it, I see that the major theme of it is he's describing what heaven is like. Have you ever wondered, what is heaven like? What's, what's it going to be like when I get to heaven? What's going to happen there? What, what am I going to look forward to when I get to heaven? And, and, and we think of that, and we think of seeing God and seeing Jesus and, and being able to talk to him and ask him all those questions and, and, and just have him teach us and, and just spend some time, time with him. But also there's going to be all the saints uh, there that we can spend time with and talk, and we're going to enjoy them. Um, but, you know, as we think about those things, we realize that some people, only their only thought about what heaven's going to be like is, first of all, meeting God, and then the beauty of heaven. And they think of Revelation 21 and 22 as the description of that great uh, city is talked about, and the beauty of it, and, and they think of all the beauty of heaven. And beauty of heaven is going to be really nice. But, you know, uh, think about when we're down here, I, I drive in the morning. Uh, Carl, you, you like this too. We drive and we see sunrises. You know, you, you may not have ever gotten up for sunrises, but when you drive early in the morning, you see sunrises. And we see some really beautiful ones. And, 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 and you, you know, you go down there, you see that beautiful thing, and you're just in awe of it. 
But you know, after a while, some of those sunrises just kind of become old hat. And, and, and you know, we, we love them, but uh, we, we've seen them and we've seen them. And, and when you see some of these things over and over again, they become old hat. The same as can be said about waterfalls. I've been to a lot of places that have beautiful waterfalls, but you know, you start seeing uh, eight or 10 or 12 or 14 in a, in a day, and that becomes kind of old hat after a while. Uh, sometimes a beautiful mountainscape and, and with the, all the trees on it, uh, they, they become very beautiful and it's nice to be around them, but they become old hat after a while. One of the things we need to realize about heaven is, and this is, this is a key thing, it's not just about the beauty of heaven that we're going to enjoy when we get there. The, the whole issue is, is that that which continues to grow and be living is relationships. Relationship with God when we're there, as well as relationship with people, and that's going to continue to grow. Uh, we're, we're, going to, uh, we're going to be with, a, with the God who has a never-fading glory. I, I used to think when I read in Scripture where it says the 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 three cre are the creatures around the the throne continue to say holy 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 is the Lord God Almighty holy holy I you know why do they keep saying that what benefit does that have to God but you know I think the key thing there is that they are continuing to understand God in a different way. God is revealing himself in a new way, and they can't stop saying uh, or glorifying God. Uh, the more they see, the, the more amazed they are at what God is doing and how he's working things out. And, and, and we need to realize that the glory of God is never fading. It, we're never going to get tired of it because God is so vast. And um, there's so many things I want to say, but I, I, I can only say a certain amount of things. But, but, um, but also with people, our relationships are going to grow. You, you know, when, when we uh, have relationships with people... Uh, uh, but sometimes it just kind of gets old. That, that's why, you, you know, you need to be with other people and, 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 uh, and spend time with them because uh, we need variety in our relationships. And, and sometimes, um, uh, uh, you know, these, these conversations get old if you aren't doing anything new together. In order to have vibrant conversations, you need to be growing in your understanding. You need to be, you need to, uh, be having different uh, uh, experiences together. Uh, you need to be learning different things. And then your, your, your relationship, your conversation um, become, uh, they, they continue to be alive. And that's what it's going to be like in heaven. We're going to continue to learn uh, we're going to continue to have new experiences. We're going to have uh, opportunities to work together. Uh, you know, Ty and I, we're, we're going to go out and, and for, for, for five years, we've got this building project. We're going to work together. And we're going to have a lot of experiences together. And maybe then I'll, then I'll go out with, uh, with, uh, with Kevin and, and we'll do some things for a while. And then we come back and we share these things of what happened. We're, we are going to have that opportunity to get to know each other. And that's what's very important. 
is to realize that this kind of communication and the, the, the growing of it uh, is, is going to continue to make heaven exciting. Uh, I had a, uh, one of the guys in a former church that he would come over, and, and he would come in and sit in my office, and sometimes for an hour, hour and a half, you know, and, and you know what, I could tell you everything he was going to talk about after about the third or fourth or fifth time, you know. I, I could write down on a list all the things that he would talk about, and sure enough, he talked about those every time, went through the same detail. That's not a very exciting conversation. And, uh, it, but you see, when you have growing experiences, then you have something that is exciting to be a part of. That last night that Jesus was with his disciples, um, he had redemption on his mind, but he also had the result of redemption on his mind. That is us being in heaven with him. Uh, and uh, pastor usually has a benediction, and, and, and I've used benedictions over the years. And, and the one that I, I, one of them that I like to use is Jude 24. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy and, and he's going to have delight in, 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 in us as we get to heaven and be able to present us to the Father as, as some of those that he has redeemed and uh, it, it, you know he had this in mind that we are going to be with him and, and, and so as he's talking with the people in, uh, in or the disciples in the upper room these five chapters of, of John um, he is thinking about heaven, and he's thinking about what the glories of it are. And, and, and he's, he's trying to tell them what heaven is like. And all of these descriptions, you'll see in, on the one paper, I think I have 13, there's a half sheet of paper, I have 13 different uh, characteristics. These, most of these are things that will characterize people, Christians, that they need to develop in their life, that they are going to enjoy when they get to heaven, only thing it's going to continue to grow and, and, and exponentially as we get to heaven. But he wants us to start living this way now. And so how do you live on earth as, uh, um, as they are in heaven? And he's telling us in these chapters how we are to live. Now, this, as, when I came to this understanding, I finally understood when Jesse was preaching on the Lord's Prayer that all of a sudden it hit me, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, and it's that we are living like Jesus did, like he presents here, so that, that we can enjoy heaven on earth in, in our relationships on earth, but also so we can show people what they are missing out if they don't get right with God. We want them to know what heaven's like, and that should be something that attracts people to the Lord. How many of you have heard people say, I'll never go to that church, or if that's a Christian, I want nothing to do with it because of the, of the hypocrisy that they've seen in, in people's lives? How many of you have, come on, come on, come on, yeah, you, you've seen those hypocrites. He says, I don't want you to be like this, and this is how you can be uh, someone who attracts people to me. 
So that's the, over, the overriding theme of all of this. And so, so this is what we want. We, we want to learn how to live a heavenly life on earth, but also to uh, live that kind of life so we can attract people to the Lord, so that they get right with the Lord. And so anyway, um, that's what we want to talk about today. Um, we want to start off with, uh, with um, some of the things that Jesus taught. I, I wish I could teach on all 13, but most of you would leave by the time I got to four or five, so we'll just, we'll just do a few of those uh, today. The first one is there in cha uh, chapter 13, if you want to turn to John 13. And I'm not going to read the whole chapter to you, but uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a part of it. Um, about Jesus' first concern that he has for us that we learn how to do as believers. And, and this is not anything new to, to, to some of you or most of you um, because this is what you practice and, and that's so appreciated. But in John 13, verses 12 through 17, he says this, when he had finished washing their feet, and so Jesus washes the disciples' feet, they're up having their the, the Last Supper, and, and uh, he has just finished washing them. When he'd finished washing their feet, he put his clothes, he put on his clothes and returned to the uh, place. Um, Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, uh, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is the messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you, have, uh, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And so he calls us to be people who serve. Um, and uh, uh, that's what should characterize us. Uh, we need to serve others and to be concerned about them. Um, and, and, you know, the early church took this very, uh, very seriously. In Acts 4.12, um, uh, 4.32, it says this, All the believers uh, were one in heart and mind. No one claimed any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. Very unusual. I mean, people would sell all their property and give it to the disciples and they would distribute it to, to the people who had need. I mean, what kind of people will do this? It's people who took the teaching of our Lord very seriously of realizing that they needed to serve one another. And I tell you, that has characterized the church through the years. Uh, the church hasn't always done well, and we always hear the bad parts of it, but the church has done a lot of good through the years as they have been faithful with them. Serving, you know, is not a natural response. It's a supernatural response. Uh, uh, people are usually self-centered and uh, want others to notice, serve, and, and honor them. They want to be the center of attention. That, that's, that's the attitude that, that people normally have. And to be concerned about others is not uh, a normal attitude they have. Um, and uh, here the church 
uh, took this teaching of Jesus very seriously, and they helped others in their needs. They stood with them in their difficult time, and they gave of their time, their talents, and their finances to help those in need. The early church did that very faithfully. Uh, when some of the um, uh, there was some of the church fathers reported what was said to an emperor one time, he says those Christians are truly people who love one another. Uh, they, there's nobody like them in, a, in all of our realm. Uh, that that was very characteristic of them in that time, and so they shared what they had. Uh, think about what happened. I, I read a book called. Um, it's called uh, Under the Influence, and what it, it, what it does is it follows Christianity through the ages and, and, and the good that it had in the world. In the Roman uh, culture, uh, uh, one of the things that happened is that they did not take the lives of babies very seriously, you know, kind of like today with abortion. Um, but uh, uh, if a man was going away and his wife was going to have a baby, and he says, ah, if you have a baby and it's a girl, throw it out, let the dogs eat it. Yeah. Um, and you know, you know what would happen? Christians would find these babies along the road. These, these Christians were, were people who were poor. Some of them were slaves. They didn't have a, hardly enough to take care of their own family, and they'd find these babies, and they'd take them in and raise them. That, that's love. That, that's serving one another. Uh, the, the, kids didn't, the children didn't have any idea what was happening, but, but they were showing love. That, that characterized the, the early church. Um, um, and as you go on through the years, you learn uh, things that uh, Christians became the forerunners in helping people uh, through serving by establishing education. A lot of the public education came as a result of, of Christian influence. Uh, women were being taught in the early church, which was not characteristic of, of uh, the religions of that time. They honored women. They developed hospitals and homes for the aged. Uh, they, they, they did so much to help people who were in need. They followed the teachings of Christ. And that drew many people to, to Christ as well because of their love for those. Yet, you know, let's fast forward to 1990 uh, and, and on. Uh, since 1990, the influence of Christians in third world countries has helped to see poverty dropped in half because of their involvement with people. Water supplies have been improved. Infectious diseases have uh, decreased because of uh, developments that Christians uh, headed in all of these. Um, uh, you, you don't hear about all the good that Christians are doing. That, that's why you need to know these things. I also read this in a book, uh, uh, Truth Matters, something like that. Uh, I've been reading that, and it was dealing with, with this very issue. I, I, I found that out uh, in this. But um, uh, Christians have headed up uh, sanitation, education, hospitals, and clinics, and that has helped change the world that they've been able to continue on. In these countries, they're finding people who are opposing them, and they're killing the Christians, but uh, their work continues to go on. 
And, um, and so the, this has characterized the church, and it needs to characterize us. That's, that's why what we're doing, I think, over at Dutch Hills is very important. We're, we're showing people that we care about them, and we're tr showing them in a, a, a very thoughtful way, in a very helpful way, that we can do something. That needs to characterize us, and we need to find ways that we can do it. And we can't always do it in a large group, but we can do it one-on-one, -on -one, can't we? Uh, we, we can help one another encouraging them. And that's what God wants us to do, to be able to uh, show the world uh, what uh, his love for them. Um, but, you know, how does this relate to being, like, being in heaven? Well, when we get to heaven, we are also going to serve there. Uh, uh, Revelation 22.3, uh, last part of the verse says, His servants shall serve him. And, and we are going to serve the Lord in heaven. He's going to be one of the ones that we will serve. But you know what? We will serve each other as well. Um, we, will help, we will help others in heaven. You, you know, you think about everybody being perfect doesn't mean they're always going to, they're going to know everything right away. You know? I think those, those who have great knowledge, they're going to go there with great knowledge. And those who haven't taken the knowledge seriously, they're going to have to be taught even when they get to heaven. They're, they're not going to have a problem with sin, but they still are going to need to learn. And we're going to help train them and, and, and uh, uh, help teach them about the Lord. He's going to give us those kinds of opportunities. We're going to organize them so that we can, you know, there, you still need organization. There's organization among the angels. Why should there not be organization above uh, um, uh, for Christians? And, and he talks about, uh, about us uh, being in charge of nations and, and cities and towns and, and things like that. And so they're going to need organization there. And, um, and we're going to need organization when we participate in, in worship, uh, uh, whether it be large worship uh, fests or small worship gatherings. Uh, we may have building projects that, we need, that, that they need uh, engineers, they need uh, builders, they, they need... Uh, 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 people that have different skills to, to do things. See, you don't think about uh, always of, of everything um, needing or things needing to be built and things like that. We serve together. We will do that and we'll serve one another. Um, so, anyway, uh, they, they, as they gather, they need people that uh, have leadership qualities but also different skills that they can. They can do things as they as they work together. Um, we will we will serve each other. Um, uh, now, there's not going to be poverty or sickness or disease or any kind of infirmity there that that's going to need to be taken care of. But we will celebrate together. We will have hospitality and invite people together. Uh, we will work together, and we will enjoy life together. Um, over the years, uh, we've had families in each of our churches that, that we would go camping with, uh, and, and we'd 
come, you know, go to each other's house and we'd play cards and, you know, we'd have our New Year's uh, celebrations there or, or different times. And, and, you know, it's always good getting together with friends. And, and you know, just as we have uh, friends here, we're going to have certain friends that we get together with and do things with. Now, it, 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 your, your friendship might only last two or three million years, but then you may go on to somebody else. But, but you know, you're going to have all the time to develop this in heaven as we serve one another in various ways. So um, when we freely serve others, we give them a taste of heaven. A and by serving others, we recognize their worth, uh, we declare that they are valuable to God and that they are valuable to us. And, and, and we, are, we are investing our lives in them today and we're building relationship. And so that's what we do when we follow Jesus' example of serving one another. Get the idea? That's what he wants us to do. And don't take, don't take it lightly when you serve one another, you work together with one another, or you uh, get together with, uh, you know, in, in going out to eat or bringing, inviting them to your home. They, these are all good things of serving one another and being with them and, and, and building closer relationships. And so we need to continue to serve one another. So uh, heavenly citizens, they serve serve here on earth, they will serve when they get into heaven. Secondly, heavenly citizens love. Ah, I tell you, oh, this is a rich subject we could spend a long time on. I, I, uh, somebody said something recently, and my mind just has gone off trying to develop that and, and, and work on it. Pastor, you know how it is. You start studying, all of a sudden, somebody gives you an idea, and it just sparks going. That's what happens with your deep study, you know? Doesn't it? And then you're, I, I, I'm in there. Yeah, yeah, you do. But or you preach a message, you know. You you, you get in, you you want the opportunity to express it, and 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 so anyway, uh, that's what happens. Uh, uh, Jesus taught us to to be a people who love richly. We are to love God. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor is yourself. We are to love God and we are to love others. He also says, love your enemies. That doesn't mean you're going to be best friends with them, but it means you're going to treat them right. Uh, you're not going to degrade them and, and put them down, um, but you're going to want the best for them. Um, so we are to love our enemies and, and, and um, we are to love those who don't know Christ as well. Uh, we're to love everybody. Now, when Jesus tells us to love someone, he gives it to us as a command. Now, a command, what is it directed at? Is it directed at our emotions or our will? What is it, class? Our will. See, you can command the will, but you can't command the emotions. And a lot of times we, don't have, we have emotions that do not go along with what we're supposed to do, but we choose to do what's right. And that honors God. And so we choose to do what's right. The, the verses of uh, John 13, 34 through 35, he says, A new command I give to you. It's a command. Love one another as I uh, have loved you, so you must love one another. 
By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. And this goes back to uh, our influence in the world that, that people will see how different we are because we love one another and we love them. Uh, this, this needs to, to affect them, and that's, that's what he wants us to do. Um, this command, when he gives us a, a command, it is non-negotiable. Uh, we can't modify it. We can't exchange, uh, uh, change it. We can't ignore it. N nor can we be selective in who we love. This is my command that you love one another. It's a command. Don't try to get out of it. And we do. Yeah, I can love everybody, but not that person. Do you know what that person did to me? Do you know what they said to me? Do you know how they treated me? Do you know how they treated my, my son or my daughter? I could never forgive them. We've all said that at one time or another, probably. If we haven't said it, we've thought it. We have to learn to deal with it. We have to realize that love doesn't mean that you have an affection for them. Love means you have a commitment to them for their betterment in some way. And so we are to love one another. Um, and it's very important that we learn how to love. Do you, do you know why? Um, because God is love. Well, in 1 John 4, 8, it says, uh, He that loves not knows not God, for God is love. So, you see, as we learn to love one another, we learn to understand God. We, we learn to understand what he's like. Uh, we can say we're doing really, you know, uh, yeah, God is love, and I, I really love God. But if we don't know how to love other people, because he loves the world. He loved the world so much he gave his son to die in the, a very excruciating death. And that excruciating death was at the hands of him, himself, of the Father. He poured out his wrath for our sins on his son. But he loved you so much that he's willing to do that. Are we willing to love others who have really hurt us? I'm not, I'm, again, I'm saying that does not necessarily mean we're going to be good friends with them, but it means that we need to, to desire the best for them, and we need to sp not speak down about them, and we need to pray for them as well. Um, Jesus... Um, even teaches us how to love, a, love our enemies when he was on the cross. Man, you know what he's gone through. By the time he got there, he was beaten and spit on and that crown of thorns on his head. And, and oh, just all the pain he endured. And then his father turning his back on him. And, and he said about the, the soldiers, um, and those who had him crucified, Father, Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. See, he was able to say that in a time where it would have been really, he could have been really angry. I didn't deserve this. Why are they doing this to me? Why, are, why am I going through all this? These people aren't going to appreciate it. But he did it. Father, forgive them. And he asked forgiveness so that they could, when they had the opportunity to understand the truth, be converted as well. He did that because he loved them. Is not the Great Commission a declaration to love those you don't know? 
Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Hmm. Um, these are people who will probably reject or kill you. They will uh, not, for the most part, understand why you're trying to bring them God's message of salvation. And uh, it's a declaration of, of showing love to people. Very important. Um, let, me, let me get a little bit more personal here. Husbands, love your wives. We're called to love our wives as Christ loved the church. He's willing to give his all for her, for us. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wow! You know... We, f we find it easier to, to live around people we're not around all the time, but living with somebody that is there all the time sometimes is harder to, to get along, <laughs> isn't it? But we have to do everything in love. We have to respond to them in love. We have to treat them with love. So we are, uh, he, does not, he does not tell the wives to love their husbands. Why is that? Because women have that natural sense of love that, that is there. And if it's nourished with love, uh, it's, it's, it's going to demonstrate itself. He put, he put his heart in women, I think, because of that, in that special way. So anyway, we need, to, we need to love our wives. We are called that. In heaven, loving others is going to be very open and obvious. We will never lack for um, ways to demonstrate love to our fellow citizens when we're in heaven. Love will continue to be a dynamic motivation of every relationship because it's going to be genuine concern for everybody, and it's going to be, it's going to be happening all around. It's going to be very easy to do it. We're not going to see false ways of love. Uh, the world shows its ways of love uh, on, on television, and boy, they aren't God's ways, you know. So uh, we, we need to, we need to uh, be focused on love, loving one another. Um, love is, is the strongest motivation that we have to serve others. A uh, missionary came to, uh, through a mission board, and he was going to become a missionary on a certain field. And usually it'll be um, a, a, quite a big process, and they'll bring pastors in to help uh, examine the, the missionaries, and, and they'll talk about their beliefs and uh, uh, why, you know, where they're going and, and what their vision is for that. And, and one of the pastors um, had his opportunity to talk, and he said, um, why, are, why, are you, why do you want to go to the mission field? And, and the man says, well, you know, I want to fulfill the, gra the Great Commission to, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And, and I feel that's what I, what I need to do, and I feel I'm called to, to do this for God. And, and, and uh, you know, that's my passion is because I want to obey Christ, and I want to honor Christ. And the pastor says, that's not good enough. And he, he, was, he was set back. What do you mean it's not good enough? I, what, what, I, he stammered a while, and he didn't know what to say. And the pastor said, um, 
pastor said that you need, you are going to face a tremendous amount of difficulties in a new culture. You're going to learn the language, and you're going to deal with people of pagan beliefs, and the only thing that is going to keep you on track through all your difficulties, and you're going to have a lot of difficulties, is the fact that you not only love God, but you love them. You're going to them because you love them, that you care about them. Because if we don't love somebody, we, we get frustrated and we get angry and we get disappointed. Um, as a parent, you know that sometimes your children can do those very things to you. <laughs> you get you frustrated and disappointed and angry of what they do. But you see, you have as, as an overriding, overarching thought your love for them. Yeah, they're treating me like dirt, but I know what's best for them. I care about them. And that's, that's, what, that's what he wants us to learn to do. Love, is, love helps us to stay focused uh, on the true need of people and is, uh, that we're seeking to reach. Love is the strongest motivation that prevents us from giving up. I'll tell you how important love is. We've got five chapters. John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. Five chapters. In that five chapters, um, uh, Jesus uses the word love 26 times, I believe. Yeah, 26 times. 26 times. More than five times each chapter on average. Now, if you use a word that much during, through that evening, 26 times... Uh, it should mean something. It, it's something that needs to characterize our, our life is that we need to love one another and he's calling us to learn of him by loving others. And, um, and so th this, kind of, this kind of love will motivate us to continue to be faithful to him and to others. Um, he even concludes uh, chapter, in 15... 17, he commands us, love one another. We're commanded, love one another. Eight times we're commanded in these, uh, in these passages to love one another. Eight times. So it's not a passing thought. So love must set, uh, set us apart from the world and show the world what God is like. If God is love and we are born of God, then we need to prioritize love in our life. That simple. I, I gave you a handout, and it deals with two passages. One is 1 Corinthians 13, um, and tells you what love is like. And then uh, you don't always realize that Romans 12 also shows us how to love people in very practical ways. And so all it is is the scripture, uh, little if no commentary to, to most of it. And uh, and this tells us what to do. And then on the last page is my commentary of things that I thought of that, that we can express love to people. Um, that's the epistle according to James. And um, so, um, but uh, on the bottom of that, I also ask you to start writing out the ways that you can love people. And it's very important that you write it out because when we write it out, we have to think it out. And, and, and when we have it written down, uh, we will come back to it and we'll see something and say, oh, here's another way that I can show love. So 
So that's kind of an exercise for you, and I hope that'll, that'll help you uh, as you go on. Um, how much time do I have? <laughs> Till I'm done. Thank you. I've always thought they ought to have calendars back there rather than clocks. <laughs> but they don't. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead with this. Third point. First one is uh, heavenly citizens serve. Second point is heavenly citizens love. Third point is heavenly citizens are humble. That which ties all of these together in carrying them out is that we need to have humility. Um, humility empowers our abilities for God. Uh, if we are going to be effective, we must have a servant's heart. We can't just do, th there's some people that say all the nice words, yeah, that's all right, you can do that. Well, that's all right, you can do that. Notice the difference? Um, the humility is very important uh, because that makes us approachable, that, that, that shows true sincerity. Jesus was a person who was humble. Um, uh, in um, Matthew 11, 28 through 29, it talk, Jesus says something, and he describes himself, and he says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Take my yoke, be, be joined together with me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Do you want somebody working with you that is always jabbing you and, 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 and saying stupid things and being disrespectful and, and hurting to you? Or do you like somebody who is calm and gentle and, and encouraging to you? That's what Jesus is like. And that's because of his, his humble mind and his humble heart. And, and, and he wants us to be, um, uh, he wants us to learn from him and be humble. Uh, so, the, so he describes humility, and, and, and Jesus wants us to learn this and be involved and help people who are hurting. And he knows that um, he is a gentle soul and has the answers to the problem, and he wants to walk with them through that. And, you know, that's what we do. Uh, you're gentle, you're approachable, and uh, when you do that, people are going to be drawn to you and, and they're, going to, they're going to want to hear what you say. The definition of humility is freedom from pride or arrogance. It is gentleness, mildness, calmness, quietness, empathy, and softness. Humility is respectful, modest, and meek. Your demeanor makes others feel comfortable when you are uh, with you because you are accepting. A humble person... Now get this, a humble person will speak the truth, yet be firm because they know that, because they know that only truth helps you. And so they may say things that you like. A humble person will do that. Listen to Jesus when he came to the religious leaders. You white rosh sepulchers, filthy on the, uh, clean on the outside, but filthy on the inside. I mean, he was pretty stern with them because they were doing wrong, and he was concerned about them. But other people who were hurting, he, he listened to them and, and welcomed them in. 
And so that's the way that we need to be. Uh, that, that's humility. Why is humility so important? It's kind of a lubricant uh, to all the gears that it takes to run the Christian life. Uh, you like all that analogy there? Um, I guess we don't have gears, but you understand it better that way. Uh, we can say we love our, our spouse or our children, uh, but if uh, we are not kind or easy to approach, we may think that we are justified in our sinful actions. How do we speak to them? Um, humility allows us to offer forgiveness uh, and be encouraging or respectful to others. It allows you to choose to submit to the teaching of God's word rather than your own feelings and emotions. Humility allows you to do it. We have our own idea. I don't want to change. I don't want to submit to that. But you see, when we have humility, we're saying, okay, I don't feel like it, Lord. Be honest with God when you talk to him. I don't feel like it, Lord. But because you say it, I'm going to do it. Without humility, you won't ask forgiveness for your harsh tone uh, with which you answered your wife. Humility helps you to deal with that sharp remark um, you express to your husband. Humility allows you to ask your children forgiveness uh, uh, when you speak with a demeaning attitude or reach a wrong conclusion about their actions. You see, humility is very important as the way, in the way that we, we respond to others and treat them. Humility isn't concerned with winning the argument with the atheists. It's, it's wanting, to, uh, wanting them to uh, know the truth so they can make an informed decision on the way that they're going. Humility isn't concerned... Um, uh, 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 humility... Um, is important in, of course, dealing with our sins because we have to admit that we are wrong. I teach the kids on the bus. I said, that, you know, there, you, you uh, hurt people in different ways. One is unintentional. You, you knock them when you're going by them. I'm sorry. Um, I didn't mean that. I, then I tell them, sometimes it's intentional. You hit them. I said, what you need to say is, I was wrong. I hit you. And uh, will you forgive me? Uh, we have to admit that we've done wrong, and it takes humility to do that. I want them to learn that. Well, anyway, uh, humility. I didn't spend a lot of time on it. There's a lot more that could be said, but uh, I cut off about that much in my paper about that because so, I knew I was going to come to an end here. But it's very important. Uh, that characterized the life of Christ. And he does not say it uh, specifically that you have to be humble, but he demonstrated that throughout, the, throughout this, this passage. I, I speak not my own words, but my Father's words. Uh, things like that tell, tell you that and, and how he was concerned about others. He washed Judas's feet. And he knew Judas was going to betray him in just a few hours. So humility is very important. Heavenly citizens are humble. I have a handout that lists the qualities on there, the 13 qualities. Uh, something for you to, to uh, uh, look through, work through on your own. It gives you the verses uh, that deal with it. Um, but I, I think the reason Jesus is telling us all of these things is because he was homesick for heaven. And he wanted us to know what heaven is like. And he's just kind of sharing that. 
uh, of course, it, part of it was showing us how to become like Christ, um, uh, how to influence the world. But most of all, I think he was just homesick for heaven. He was tired of all the, all the sin that was going on down here. And uh, he wanted us to start living that way here. And he, he knows that that's going to be the very best for each of us to experience. When we don't understand our, we need to understand our motive of what we're doing. And, and that, that's what we're doing here. Um, we, we want to understand what our, uh, what, what our motivation needs to be of how we live here. And when we don't think about it for a while, we get lax and we, it's very easy to fall in the ways of the world. We've been given a mission to show the world what heaven is like. We show them uh, really an otherworldly view. And the sad thing is that many Christians show the world by their life what hell is like more so than heaven. Um, instead of love, there is uh, hate and disdain. Instead of forgiveness, they hold grudges and seek to get even. Instead of kindness, they minimize the importance of others. Instead of helping others, they ignore them and make excuses to not get involved in their life. Instead of attending church and helping it grow, uh, they offer their service as complainers and criticizers. Because if you complain and criticize somebody, then, then you don't have to defend your reason for not being right. Instead of tithing or serving in the church, they divert attention from their sins by saying, oh, all they do is ask for money. They exercise their lack of commitment and willingness to trust God for in the reality. They're, willing to, they're unwilling to trust God with their finances. And th that goes along with uh, what... Uh, <laughs> Marvin, thank you. All of a sudden, your name left me. What Marvin said a couple of weeks ago. Instead of loving God, they choose to love the world and the things of the world. And instead of anticipating heaven, instead of anticipating heaven, they minimize the greatness of heaven. That's why I wrote my book on heaven, because so many people are minimizing the value and worth of heaven. Uh, this is what gave the early Christians courage because they had heaven in mind. How can you better show the world what heaven is like? How can you show the world better what heaven is like? Uh, this is the first step in being a faithful witness for the Lord when you live in a way that, that shows the world what heaven is like. Show them here on earth. If you don't belong to Christ, then a conversion experience into salvation is what's important. Um, uh, and I invite people to place trust in Jesus Christ as Savior because that's, that's the starting point. But then we have a great adventure ahead of us with God. Are you enjoying your adventure? Uh, I tell you. Uh, the more we know about what we do and the more we do it, the more excited we're going to get and the more joy we're going to have as we live. Jesus said in John 15, 11, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might be in you and that your joy may be full. That's his desire. That's his desire for you.
Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the teachings you've given us in your word of how we are to live, how we are to honor you, and how we can experience heaven on earth. Wow. Uh, and it is that way. When we live that way, there is such a joy in our lives. And we appreciate that. And Lord, help us to, to share that joy with others and uh, live in such a way that others see it also. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying for us. Thank you for giving us hope. Thank you for giving us new life by which we can uh, live in this world and influence people in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.